Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Thank you, Michael. We were just talking about Michael when he was delivering the news. David Ayler, the executive producer, and I were, and we both agree there's nobody better when it comes to breaking news than Michael Calhoun. And thanks to Matt Pajeski, who's uh, monitoring the phone calls today. You can always call in at 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. And you can text us, same number, 436-7900, area code 314. Thank you very much. Charlie Brennan in for Chris and Amy, who will be back, I believe, next week. Monday, it's Ron Ells. Tuesday, it's John and Amy. And then TBD, as we sometimes say. Cleveland, Ohio, my hometown, I've been there three times in the last year, was just named by the Washington Post as the only downtown that's really made a huge recovery. And we're going to find out why when we talk to Neil Fisher of WKYC Television and we'll talk to Les Sturman from the Citizens for a Greater Downtown St. Louis. Also today, uh, Scott Jagow is going to drop by at about 1147. And we'll find out what's on tap for this weekend on his Saturday and Sunday morning program programs. And then... Um, If you do go to Cleveland or many other cities in the United States, there are more than 150 Drury Hotels, and they're expanding. David Nishwitz is the Director of Marketing with Drury, and this great local family-owned St. Louis company is just bursting at the seams. They they know nothing about downturns, and uh, we're going to learn more about uh, their business. And then... Our last guest today is someone I wanted to interview for years and never got around to it. Dave Morris worked in the Illinois connections or corrections industry. He also has been a columnist, and he has written some of the best columns I've ever read, including, I'm sorry to say, his connections to John Wayne Gacy, the serial killer. And we're going to go over that when he joins us uh, at the end of the program at about uh, 1230 or so this morning on The Voice of St. Louis. It is true the Smothers Brothers started uh, their career in places like Gaslight Square here in St. Louis. So there really is a uh, St. Louis connection to Tommy and Dick Smothers. There's another one, and that is the 20 Minutes to Fitness, which is a great local exercise operation in St. Louis, has as one of its spokespersons, in Sarasota, Dick Smothers. Well, I'm sorry to say we lost Tommy Smothers earlier this week. I was lucky enough to interview him and his brother in 1999 when they were hosting for CBS a television special that was honoring the late great variety host, Ed Sullivan. We did not, we probably should have, we did not edit this seven-minute interview, so you you will hear it as it uh, unfolded back in 1999, the first voice you hear will belong to the late Tommy Smothers. Let's put it this way: we were fired back in '69, and we do have a history. We've been on the, the our, our biggest successes and, and and controversial successes and failures have been on the CBS yeah. network. There's different players in there, so it's not like we've uh, 
maybe if it was the same guys there, we would be we wouldn't do it. Well, who who are the guys back in uh, 1969 who said Tom and Dick, it's your time to go? Well, was that William Paley? Well, it was Paley and well, he was Dr. Stanton, William Paley of uh, Stanton, and there was a. The big guys were there, and it was, oh, basically it came from Nixon anyway, so they're yeah. all gone. Isn't that funny, because uh, Pat Paulson was on your show, and he was uh, running for president under the uh, banner, if nominated, I will not run, if elected, I will not serve, <laughs> and CBS thought that his opponents or people running would ask for equal time, so they didn't put him on until after the election. Mm. Well, you know something, that was, that, was, that, uh, that, uh, Satirical run for president was one of the one of the really good jobs that the Smothers Brothers did on that show. He had more fun, and there's more people that did try to respond. We had we had fights over that whether now we we gave we give equal time. He actually won a lot of votes. Yes, he did. And then, of course, there was the problem with the Smothers Brothers always getting the show done just before it was supposed to air, not allowing the CBS censors enough time to do their jobs. And I guess it was just CBS said, even though your ratings are so high and all the young baby boomers loved you guys, it wasn't worth the trouble. So they said goodbye to you. And that, isn't that amazing? It's not worth the trouble. Anyway, that's old thing. That was a, We're victims of a political... Uh, climate of the times but uh going back to hosting this uh, the show like uh, using the smothers brothers to host because we do have a history with cbs and um the players are different uh, and we're honored to, to be host for sullivan because huh? in the, those days it was the ed sullivan show the smothers brothers comedy hour and the mission impossible were all on sunday nights and they had a great rating there. Oh, absolutely. And uh, boy, I, you know, they, they say there are 76 million people watching Seinfeld the other night. You probably had close to that every week uh, because there were only three networks back then and you guys were number one. You probably had 50 million people watching you, didn't you? I don't know how many people, but the power of, of being on on a show when there was three networks and there wasn't all um, uh, diluted by so many uh, other choices, uh, there, there was a power there. And uh, Dick has a feeling, but Sullivan, I mean, my gosh, 1948, the beginning of television, was that, that show has been on, and uh, we tried to, the Smothers Brothers always tried to have a, a show kind of like Sullivan, uh, in the sense that we had uh, uh, eclectic mixes of people on the yeah. show. Whether we're, we were very much influenced by a Sullivan show, uh, and then we were influenced by our own time. And so we used, Ed, Ed created, helped create television when you get down to it. I guess you got Uncle Milty in uh, in one area of variety, but Ed Sullivan brought on vaudeville, and, and he didn't break any rules. He he helped create them, and the, the young people of today, Ed Sullivan's just a name and doesn't mean anything. And if they watch the show, they'll get to put him in context. The guy uh, was a great promoter of, of of new music, established talent. You name it, they all came on the Ed Sullivan Show. If you want to promote a movie, a record, a book, you name it, and you had some uh, clout, you got on that show. And, uh, and, so and you hadn't done television until you did Ed Sullivan. Yes, like the Palace. And and he he could go from uh, a comedy like the Smothers Brothers to something serious, and you never see that really on, let's say, David Letterman's program right now. You where might find opera following an elephant act. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it, had, it had no rhyme or reason. It was just variety, and Ed just stood there and, and, and attempted to introduce each act. 
And uh, he let you guys do your thing, or did he censor you guys as well? Oh, no. Oh, we, we were never censored. The only time we were really censored was uh, when we had our own show, and now it was uh, in, in huge sketches that had a social and uh, and, uh, and uh, ethical point of view. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was no reason to censor it, but I guess we were considered a threat to American national security. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, didn't Pete Seeger get you guys in trouble when he sang an anti-war song once? When we had people on our show, we invited them to do what they'd like to do. Yes, we had some problems with that. We had problems with a whole lot of things. Uh, another mother for peace was considered a uh, problem. I mean, a lot of things that uh, now uh, might Elaine not May, be let me talk uh, to Tom. Elaine May came on wrote a skit, uh, a little sketch on, on censorship, uh, movie censors. Tommy, yeah. and, they, and they cut the whole thing out. And then the New York Times printed the whole piece uh, in, in total. Elaine <laughs> May and uh, Mike Nichols. Yeah. Now, well, one of the things they were upset with is we were sitting watching a movie. And we said, my heart beats wildly in my breast whenever I'm. No, you can't say breast. Okay, my white, <laughs> what? My heart beats whatever it was. They, they wildly in my wrist. You came up with wrist. wrist that was clean. <laughs> <laughs> then we're going to be seeing uh, some highlights of Ed Sullivan, which is going to be fun. Some dynamic acts. Some, some wonderful memories are in that show tonight. And, and there will be uh, some some segments that have never aired before, or haven't aired since they originally aired on the Ed Sullivan Show. Yeah, that's correct. How many so nights? Uh, there'll be some the, a fresh look and a, a fresh remembrance of how wonderful vaudeville and variety can be on television. That's for sure. And a lot of people will be surprised to see that we're still alive. Oh no! I mean, we've seen you guys recently, but I. Oh, that's I good. I, I think I heard, heard uh, a baby in the background. Is is, is that my uh, little girl? You're kidding. Is that Tommy speaking? That's your yeah, little girl. I, this is Tommy. I got a little Riley Rose is two, and I have a little son, uh, Bo Bo Tom, who's five. So you're in charge of the daycare, huh? <laughs> the daycare. Yeah, they're waking up. They're watching little Barney, and I can't wait for him to start listening to our albums. The five year old is going to love this. Dickie and I arguing, and uh, um, that ought to be right his alley. <laughs> now, which one of you did Mom like better? Well, we say that, uh, I, oh, this is Tom, I always said that Mom liked my brother best, but uh, in reality, she, just be, she passed away in 1988, and uh, they asked her uh, and a little earlier who she really preferred. That was a big question. She said, well, I'm neither one of them. I always liked my, my daughter, Sherry. <laughs> Tommy Smothers, Dick Smothers, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Tommy. That was uh, the Smothers Brothers interview from 1999. Wow, a blast from the past. We lost Tommy this week at the age of 86. We actually lost quite a few of our former guests, including the late, great Mike Shannon, Henry Kissinger, Bobby Knight. You know, I'm actually thinking maybe somehow, somewhere, we should be posting these interviews online so that historians or others can access them if they want. Charlie Brennan, in for... Amy and Chris, who will be back sometime next week, in a moment. The Washington Post took a look at my hometown, Cleveland, Ohio, and lauded its downtown. Anything we can learn about Cleveland? Neil Fisher is a reporter for WKYC Television in Cleveland. He'll be with us, and so will Les Sturman from the Citizens for a Greater Downtown St. Louis, and that's next. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. M-I-Z. Yes, the Cotton Bowl tonight. And uh, actually, my son is down there. He's got no money, no time, so he decided to uh, drive to Dallas to see the game. So maybe we'll get a report from him before uh, 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock, it's the Dave Glover Show. Charlie Brennan in for Chris and Amy. And by the way, I have a um, garage full of books called Only in St. Louis. And my wife has said, either get rid of those books or call, um, I don't know, uh, Cordell and Cordell. So, <laughs> I was going to say a museum, but uh, I don't think they want them either. <laughs> so I, I am going to be speaking to the Clayton Chamber of Commerce, the Afton Lime Chamber of Commerce, and the Ledoux Chapel. And if you're looking for a speaker, everybody, uh, C.W. Brennan at KMWX.com. And you can also follow me at CharlieBrennan.com. Okay, what else is going on in the world? Big football game in Cleveland last night. The Browns over the Jets. Maybe we'll get a play-by-play in just a moment from Neil Fisher from WKYC Television. He's a native St. Louisan who's living there, and we invited him and Les Sturman from the Citizens for a Greater Downtown St. Louis to talk about Cleveland and a recent story called uh, in the Washington Post calling Cleveland America's best example of turning around a dying downtown. Cleveland. They say the city that leads the nation by far in finding new uses for empty office buildings. And they took a look at Cleveland and they really gave it thumbs up. So let's talk about that as we welcome you, Neil, back to KMOX in St. Louis. How are you, sir? Charlie, I'm doing great. We're fresh off that victory last night. Uh, Now in the playoffs, the energy in downtown Cleveland last night was unparalleled. So, uh, wow. Uh, downtown Cleveland and the b- big victory for the Browns. I should mention that you're a native St. Louis and whose grandfather was the fire chief, Neil Svetanix, in Correct. St. Louis. Yes. So Named uh, after him. Yeah, that that's right. And uh, you know Les Sturman from the Citizens for a Greater Downtown St. Louis. Les, Neil, Neil, Les. Nice Great to, to meet you, here. Les. Okay. Likewise. What did you think of the Washington Post story, Neil? What are people in Cleveland saying? I think it has a lot of a lot of value to what Cleveland has done and, and what Cleveland displays. Cleveland is a very accessible place uh, in downtown. You don't think that you have to have a car to go from one end to the other. Charlie, I know you walk around downtown Cleveland uh, when you're in town. I think you can get from Playhouse Square, from Cleveland State University, all the way to the flats and the river in about 20, 30 minutes by walking. I, th- I think it's fair. There's actually a big Clayco development at Cleveland State, and you can walk from uh, – that's a St. Louis firm. You can walk, actually, to the West Side Market in about 30 or so minutes, which is a very nice European-style market. And uh, you have three professional sports teams down there, the Browns, the Indians, the Cavaliers. You've got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, which is a big tourist attraction. I think uh, the piece de resistance, however, is the rejuvenated Lake Erie. The beach is beautiful. You would say to yourself, am I in Saugatuck, Michigan? No, you're in downtown <laughs> Cleveland. It really looks very nice. And that's a huge asset that no matter how hard it tries, I don't think we'll ever turn the Mississippi into that. Right. And that continues to be talked about and discussed here with, with Cleveland leaders is what's next for the development of the lakefront. You have so much 
so much beautiful property. What are you going to do with it next? And I think uh, Mayor Justin Bibb, who's from Cleveland, has done a great job so far of kind of laying out his vision of what he would like to see. But when you walk around downtown Cleveland and you walk from, let's say, the, the Cleveland Guardian Stadium, Progressive Field, to the Brown Stadium, to North Coast Harbor in that area right on the lakefront, you, you pass by so many different shops, so many different restaurants, so many different bars that are constantly open and constantly have people flowing through. And like you mentioned, and like the article mentioned, the different apartments that are going up in downtown Cleveland, there's always something new right there at uh, Euclid and 9th Street, a, a new apartment that's going to be opening next year, I believe. Uh, and then on Lakeside and 9th, uh, uh, an old um, an old business building that's being converted into apartments with a great view of the lake. So there's always something something happening, it, it feels like, in downtown Cleveland. This is Neil Fisher from WKYC Television in Cleveland. One of their anchors is a native St. Louisan by the name of Russ Mitchell, all-around great guy, and I think a Mizzou grad. And he's he's broadcasting live today from Cleveland as we talk about this city that the Washington Post just last week said is America's best example of turning around a dying downtown. Now, Les Sturman from St. Louis, um, before I ask you, just generally speaking, your, your, your impressions of this Washington Post story and maybe some lessons for St. Louis, did you notice that the mayor of Cleveland said that public safety is that city's first, second, third, fourth, and fifth priority? I, I did. I mean, there were a lot of things I I, I took note of in that article. Um, uh, you know, number one, um, you know, I think the thing that that really struck me is that Cleveland had a plan. They had a plan. They worked that plan. They executed it. Everybody was on board. They built out from a solid core. Um, and and St. Louis has never had that plan. Um, St. Louis has a, what a friend of mine likes to call Project Itis. We do a project here, we do a project there, but we don't really have a plan. Um, St. Louis has many of the same advantages that Cleveland has. Extremely walkable city. We've got three professional sports franchises downtown. We have a national park. We have a great theater. Uh, we have movie theaters. Uh, you know, we've got a lot, of, a lot of advantages. I've lived downtown for almost 19 years now, and... You know, we walk every place uh, from one end of downtown to the other. Um, and, uh, you know, it's really a it, it can be a, we have the, all these assets and yet we have never put together a solid plan to use them, which Cleveland has apparently done. Uh, the Washington Post said you had to start in a small area and expand from that. In Cleveland, they say it was uh, public square, but not so entirely sure because they also have five theaters on Euclid Avenue in downtown Cleveland, and that's not exactly at Public Square. So I, and they have the stadium on the lakefront, and the Science Center, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and so everything just didn't start, Neil, at Public Square like the Washington Post suggests, did it? Right, and I don't believe so either. But Public Square offered a, a place for people to go to to have a public space, mm. and we also have in Cleveland. Mall B and Mall C, which are, I don't know, Charlie, what would you say, football fields of just green space right in the heart of downtown Cleveland, which offer folks who are working in the area or who are walking through or visiting a chance to just sit there, maybe have lunch and hang out for the day. Yeah, I want to tell you guys a little secret that uh, I I know you don't know, but uh, 
in this Washington Post article, there's a fella, uh, a Cleveland lawyer by the name of Tony Coyne, and he is given credit for walking around with a laptop and sharing the vision of this expanded public square. I'm here to tell you that I went to high school with him, and about 20 years ago, he came to St. Louis, or maybe 15, to take a look at our city garden on market because he wanted to get some ideas to take back to Cleveland. How about that? Silence in the room. Well, City Garden is a wonderful place. I spend a it lot is. of time there. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, it's, it, there's construction going on there now as it's being expanded. Uh, you know, one story I like to tell is, you know, I, I used to be at East-West Gateway, and uh, we gave a lot of federal grants for projects we tried to focus on downtown. And I should just tell our listeners and everybody that East-West Gateway is the regional planning organization for the St. Louis area. Correct. Um, so about 20 years ago, um, we put about $17 million into Washington Avenue. And they're federal, state, uh, and local funds and some private funds. Um, Washington Avenue was rebuilt. It was a showplace. And, and that was the beginning of the, uh, the explosion of loft buildings downtown. It's about the time that I moved downtown. Um, and it was really a happening place. And we were starting to see the beginning of some retail. Uh, there was a lot of street activity, uh, restaurants, clubs, etc. And, um, and we've squandered that development. We can't even get the city to replace light bulbs on Washington Avenue. It's deteriorated. Um, Ballpark Village has really emptied out um, Washington Avenue. And, uh, and, and and, you know, the Cardinals got a public subsidy to do it. So, I mean, I think that's the uh, evidence of a lack of planning uh, for our downtown. We're getting the timeout sign. And so we're going to thank you, Neil Fisher, for joining us this morning on KMOX in your native St. Louis. Thanks for telling us a little something about Cleveland and its uh, downtown renaissance. We sure appreciate it. Charlie, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You too. And go Browns. And um, go Brownies. when we come back, we're going to take your phone calls. Hey, folks in the KMOX audience, what do you think about downtown St. Louis? What could we be doing? 436-7900-800-925-1120. Les Sturman's going to hang with us. We'll take your phone calls, and we'll discuss downtown St. Louis. Downtown St. Louis, what can we learn? What can we do? We have the assets. Where do we go from here? 436-7900-800-925-1120. Les and I have ideas. ideas. We'd like to hear yours as well. News is next on KMOX. Charlie Brennan on The Voice of St. Louis. Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. This is the last Chris and Amy show for uh, 2023. It's great to be part of it. Thanks for including me. And next hour, we've been talking about Cleveland right now, and it's downtown. The Washington Post has really lauded downtown Cleveland, and the Drury Hotel has two Cleveland properties. We're going to talk to representatives of Drury next hour after the news. Right now, we're talking to Les Sturman from the Citizens for a Greater Downtown St. Louis, and we're also taking your phone calls. What do you think about downtown St. Louis? What might we do? Um, I will say, I've been to downtown Cleveland to visit family three times in the last year. The sidewalks are not jammed unless there's a special event. So it's it's not Paris, we'll put it that way. But it is a very pleasant downtown with some remarkable redevelopment. And I don't think what they've attained is unreachable for downtown St. Louis. 
And I think, Les, you would you would share the same sentiment. Am I correct? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think we've got all the assets uh, and more, perhaps, in some ways than Cleveland does. We just don't utilize them well. And one thing I did see in Cleveland, like I saw in Boston, uh, cruisers, police cruisers with two cops in the front seat. I like that. I don't see a lot of that around here. Do you see that? Yeah, we've had uh, we've had a little more police presence okay. uh, with the help of the private sector. The police foundation has funded some additional cops uh, over the last few months. Um, but typically, we don't see a lot of police downtown. And, you know, everybody will complain about folks running red lights, speeding, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, stuff. Uh, it's been a relatively quiet last few months. Good. And Quiet's quite, good. And it's absolutely good. Uh, um, you know, we had some problems uh, late night, July 4th. But after that, I think uh, people started paying attention to what was going on downtown. And it's been it's been pretty quiet. So it's that's that's been a good uh, development uh, uh, downtown and hopefully it continues. But uh, as as the mayor of Cleveland said, uh, safety is is number one. You can't convince people to move here. You can't convince people to visit here right. and take some time. Uh, unless we're convinced uh, that it's uh, safe. Um, you know, I have friends that, you know, live in, in Clayton or West County who absolutely will not come downtown uh, because, uh, you know, we've, we've, got, we've acquired a reputation. Uh, I think that really took a dive with the, the uh, notorious Rain nightclub, with, you know, which uh, uh, created a lot of trouble downtown over a period of time, a lot of headlines, and I think that has really stained the reputation of our downtown. To the phones we go. Les Sturman from the Citizens for Greater Downtown St. Louis with me, Charlie Brennan. And our first call comes from Scott. Hi, Scott. Good morning. How are you? Hey, uh, good morning, folks. Um, I totally agree that it's safety has to be paramount because without it, especially, you know, taxpayers, folks who have families, folks who want to stay alive because they have a lot to live for, aren't interested in gambling downtown with some errant youth who uh, is trying to get into a gang or to have uh, makes his bones with his gang members. It's, it's ridiculous. This is all self-inflicted. This is all brought about by liberal policies, not enough policing, too much being loose with the criminals. Charlie, I've traveled all over the country, and when you see the St. Louis skyline coming in from Illinois. It is breathtaking. It's beautiful. And yet what's on the metro side, railroad tracks and trouble. There should be condos on the Illinois side looking over to Missouri that are worth a million or two because you would see it in Pittsburgh. You'd see it anywhere else in the country. Cincinnati. Not in St. Louis. Cincinnati. Absolutely. Very good point. Scott, thank you very much for your phone call this morning to KMOX. Yeah. Uh, the mayor of Cleveland said that public safety is the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth priority for his downtown. Harold, you're next on KMOX. Hello. Good morning, Harold. Happy Happy New Year, Charlie, to you and your, your guests. Thank you. And what I wanted to talk about is what I believe was the renaissance of Cleveland. And that would be the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Didn't hurt. Which was built or given to him. 35 years ago or 30 years ago. And not many St. Louis's noticed, but it was offered to St. Louis first. And we turned it down. And the reason why it was offered to us first, I believe, is because Chuck Berry was the first person to go in. 
And if you've noticed, that's about when Cleveland started its renaissance. Maybe so. Um, The Washington Post seems to indicate that uh, as great a tourist attraction as the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, and I was there in November, and it, it was pretty jamming on a Saturday afternoon, they think that when the city got ready for the 2016 Republican Convention, it gave them a goal to fix the place up, concentrate on their public square, renovate some buildings, perhaps. But these things don't happen overnight, Les. They, no, and it's, you know, we've always, uh, you know, like I said before, we have this uh, sense of project-itis all the time. I, you know, I heard folks uh, say over the years that uh, the, the Dome Stadium was going to save downtown or that the new Bush Stadium was going to save downtown or the renewal of the arch ground. There's always some project that's going to save downtown. It's not about a project. It's about having a plan and executing that plan and getting everybody on the same page uh, to link all these assets together. Right now, what we have is a series of islands downtown. We've got uh, Ballpark Village. uh, We've got the convention center, Union Station, the soccer stadium, the casino. They're a series of self-contained islands, and that doesn't make a great downtown. I think they're all great developments, but it's the stuff that happens in between the people on the street uh, the activity that creates a great downtown. I think so. When you walk down a sidewalk and you can go into a dry cleaners, a bakery, a bookstore, people love that, uh, tourists and locals. The Washington Post recommends downtowns hire private security. We've done that. They like food trucks. They say waive the fees for the food trucks and lower any fees for the small business and expedite all the permits and they also suggest that you give out free bucks, uh, give out $10 good for any luncheon spot uh, on a particular day and give it out on the street, uh, let's say in the morning. Is that a gimmick you'd pursue? I think they are gimmicks, really. I, you know, I think you have to create the conditions for growth, uh, public safety obviously being number one, infrastructure, all of those things. You create the conditions and you will grow naturally. You can't you know, get people like your caller, Scott, to come downtown because you got a couple of food trucks down here. You really have to change the perception of downtown. Um, And, you know, I think that's what we really have to work on. And it's not going to be the kind of eye candy or or gimmicks that that ultimately will renew this downtown. Let's see if we can sneak Don in. One final phone call this morning on this subject, and then we'll let uh, Les go enjoy his weekend. Hi, Don. You're on KMOX. Hey guys, for me, it's all about number one. It's all about safety. I was I used to use the landing down in the seventies when the bars were hopping, the piano bars. It was a lively place. I still go there for the spaghetti factory. My daughter's been going there since she was six. It's still a tradition to go there. I do not feel safe. I go to the parking lot to park. A panhandler comes up, asks for money. You got guys walking the streets with hoodies that did look like. <laughs> I don't want to get near them. So the landing is a nightmare, and it's not lit up near enough. It needs a lot more lights. I just want to see what you guys thought about that. Well, what I think is uh, that's the reason why Americans set a record for travel to Europe last summer. I think a lot of American cities from Portland to San Francisco, St. Louis, were starting to scare people off, and uh, Americans went to Europe like never before because they like cities, but they, those are safer cities. Yeah, and I, I think I should point out that, you know, my wife and I have lived down here for almost 19 years, and we walk every day out on the streets. We have never had a problem. So, I mean, to some degree, good safety gets uh, exaggerated. It's it's clearly an issue. It's an issue that, 
that my organization has really focused on, but we shouldn't exaggerate the, the problems that I, that that's, some of us have talked about on this program. Les Sturman, Citizens for Greater Downtown St. Louis. Uh, boy, I can't thank you very. Uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I wish you a, a great weekend. Let's stay in touch. We were mentioning uh, Leonard Slatkin at the High Point Theater, uh, and that is going to be January the 7th. He'll be introducing Maestro, and uh, then the movie Maestro will play. He knew Leonard Bernstein, and so that's, that's going to be a great experience. Uh, you can go to the High Point, which, by the way, has some wonderful movies these days. They're really uh, – there's a new movie. Uh, it's called Warren Miller's All Time. It's a 65-minute movie about skiing and – there's nothing like it. It is eye candy. It's second only to Scott Jago's Saturday and Sunday mornings <laughs> uh, on KMOX. Yeah. How the heck are you doing? I'm doing good, Charlie. Good to see you. When we were planting daffodils, you were very kind to me in uh, on October the 7th when we put in 10,000 bulbs at the Skinker exit on 6440. And so thank you very much. I oh, really that's right. It. Yeah. And so we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy for this rain because it's been so dry. Jim Schulte of Horseman. Uh, landscaping told me that he digs five feet into the ground and it's all dry right now. And that's going to kill your tree in the winter if those roots go down and can't find any water. So thankfully we're getting some water for the trees, the daffodils, but uh, thanks to all our volunteers who helped us last October. And thanks for your support, Scott. Yeah, thank you. I get my advice from Mike Miller on the gardening show oh, on yeah. Saturday mornings. <laughs> no, no, Mike Miller, how many years Holy has he been doing that cow. now? 35? 30-something uh, for sure. For sure. Does he uh, show up on Saturdays in shorts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shorts yeah. and flip-flops. One of the greats. If there's um, <laughs> a gardening hall of fame, he's got to be in it. <laughs> That's right. So I heard uh, with Debbie this morning that you uh, visited uh, like a pot shop. I did. I went to Route 66. That's spelled R-O-O-T. Yep. Uh, because they grow their own. And they have a farm, and then they have, I think, three locations, De Pere, Dogtown, which I, for some reason I kept calling Dogwood this morning, Dogtown, and uh, South Grand. And, I mean, I was really impressed with both of the guys that I spoke with, the general manager and the owner, about their stories, about why they think this is such a great business to be in, and some of the challenges. It was a really fascinating discussion. They were very forthcoming. Did they say how business is doing? They said it's going very well, and part of the issue is Missouri's taxation is quite a bit lower than some of the other states that have it. Illinois, prime example. That makes a big difference. Yes. Illinois, they charge 10% or 20% or 25%, I think depending on the percentage of THC. Here, it's six, six state plus a 3% surcharge for the local municipality and maybe the county that's going to be litigated. So as far as I'm concerned, that tax should have been higher. I mean, here we had, uh, I mean, we have so many needs out there, like the people in a nursing home, Northview Village, a couple of weeks ago, kicked out unceremoniously, 170 people right. figuratively on the streets. I mean, if we could raise more money, maybe we could address some issues like that. Yeah, so I mean, that, it's a pro and con type thing because, again, I think there are some customers who were going to Illinois who are not doing that because of the prices. Uh, and they do that with gasoline and cigarettes, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. So that's going to air tomorrow at what time? 
Uh, actually, it's Sunday morning. Sunday morning, sorry. That's my roaming St. Louis. I have uh, two hours of uh, content, including roaming St. Louis, between 8 and 9.30. So those air at 8.20 and 9.20. And it's always a two-part. I always think, when I first started this, to be honest, the first one that I did, the roaming St. Louis, this was in September of 2022. And I thought, well, this is, I'll just get like a seven or eight minute interview and then I'll run it twice. That is the only time that I have ever not done two parts because I get into the interview and I'm, this is fascinating. It's got to be two parts. So it's always two parts now, 820 and 920 on Sundays. And this is probably close to about my 70th episode. And I've never repeated one. Okay. Uh, Sounds like a book in the making. Well, St. Louis has a lot of stuff. And, you know, as an outsider coming in here, I didn't grow up here. That was one of the reasons I decided to do this segment is because I thought people kind of complain a little bit like, oh, it's not as good as city A, B, or C. And I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) There's so many great things here. Are you a Buffalo native? I am. Uh, We had a program director, Tom Langmeyer from Buffalo. And, of course, the late, great Tim Russert was a Buffalonian. I used to work with Tim. You got to be kidding me. Yeah, I worked at NBC News, and so I did get a chance to meet him a few times and talk about the Bills, and he was awesome. I, I, I loved Tim so much. He would go on the news back, it was a meet the press, and during the Bills' four Super Bowl losses, every year he would, he would literally pray on the air. He would say, please, God, please let this be the one, and it never was, and it yeah. still hasn't been, but it might be this year. Well, it could be. Um, it was about a year ago that one of the Bills players we thought almost died on the field. January 2nd will be the one-year anniversary of that happening. And thank the Lord that DeMar Hamlin survived. That was, you know, as a Bills fan, I was with other Bills fans at the time at a bar watching the game, as we do here at the Shamrock Pub. And you could hear a pin drop in that place. It was so scary and just nerve-wracking and uh he's he should get the comeback player of the year even though he hasn't really played that much this year he's played football and just last january he died on the field and came back to life and somehow he ended up playing football again what a story yeah if that's not the comeback what is yeah yeah i mean joe flacco's a nice little story for the browns but it's not you can't compare that to a guy who died on the field doing what he loves, and then come back and play it. Where do the Bills fans meet here in St. Louis? The Shamrock Pub. And that is? It's just about a mile from here on Broadway. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Are any malted beverages ever involved? Oh, yeah, maybe a few. One, we one, have Labatt on tap, which is a you know a Canadian beer near and dear to people from Buffalo. But the people at the Shamrock are so good to us. They shipped in hot dogs from Buffalo, special ones, Salins. So we have a hot dog bar every week. They make a cake that says, Go Bills. It's incredible what they do. So tell me about this hot dog that's indigenous to Buffalo. Yeah, it's called Salins, and it's just a delicious hot dog. No one has ever said, oh, that's not that good. No, it's great. How (laughs) do you spell Salin? S-A-H-L-E-N. Because, you know, (laughs) um, Bluebird Ice Cream from Brenham, Texas, Mm -hmm. is making its debut in the St. Louis area. Oh, is it? Yes, I don't, I don't know, know where Bluebird. you find it, but it's somewhere out there. I, I'm a Ted Drews guy. It's, right. it's Blue Bell. Blue oh, Bell. Blue Bell. Blue that's Bell. right. Yeah. 
Dave Ayler Thank to the you, rescue. Dave. Yeah. Who used to live in Texas? I, I, I know my Texas ice <laughs> yeah, cream. Right. Oh, do you, you lived in Texas? Yeah, for yeah. 18 years. He covered the uh, Spurs, right? Yep, for three years, yeah. Wow, San Antonio's a great town. Yeah, I lived there 18 years before they I came have, back here to St. Louis. There are about six Drury hotels in San Antonio. There's a lot of them there, yeah. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about Drury after the news at the top of the hour. I think we're getting the timeout sign. So do you give out your uh, email address or anything, or do we? how do we contact you for more information? Actually, I'm on Instagram at SJKMOX. You can find me there. Okay, Scott Jago, thank you so much. You have a happy new year. <laughs> you Thanks too. for sharing some of your Friday with us this morning. Amy and Chris back next week at some point. I think it's Ron Elves on Monday, Amy and John Hancock on Tuesday, and then I think Mr. Ranji's back on Wednesday. Check your local listings. After the news, we'll talk about Drury Hotel and what it's like to live and work in an Illinois prison. That and more on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.